host, Benjamin, the not boss, uh, secondary, secondary in command, Bateman. I am the boss. Won my first match back. Um, good to see you. Good to see you, Cass. I'm excited to talk magic. We got a gathering. action-packed episode tonight. We definitely have some action. So a lot, a lot of stuff is happening. Right now, uh, last week we released our preview episode. Uh, if you have not checked that out, we really launched a card. It's cool. It's fun now having seen all the cards that come out because we talked pretty thoroughly about like a Magecraft-based Mardu Ascendancy deck, and they've like printed way more cards that would be dope in that deck. And so I think that like could actually just be a thing, and we'll go over a little bit today. They've also, at this point, we have seen... All of Lorehold, and uh, not all of Lorehold, but a ton of the Lorehold cards. Like we had Lorehold Day yesterday, which was so fire, and then uh, today was Prismari, which we got a lot of that. And then we were at the time of day that is now we're getting the international side of the blue green Quandrix. I'm gonna have to learn all these, aren't I? For Wednesday, which is a little interesting because our card is supposed to be in Silver Cool, but it's also not like been a strong fast rule. Um, but they're definitely showing a lot of cards. Also, something that's happened since last week is they've launched Magic Arena on iOS, which has definitely increased my uh, ability to play Magic even more than it was, which Arena helped, and and obviously all of our live streaming, so that's been really cool. I played through one game on Arena two mornings ago. I was like, all right, let's see how, how well this functions, how clean it is, how good the download is, and it was like perfect, no issues at all. It was great. I was like, oh no. This is uh this is a disaster. I I finally deleted like two months ago, three months ago. I deleted Clash Royale off my phone. I got rid of it because okay. I had stopped. I had like stopped caring, but I just would do it like intermittently, mm. just like to kill time. I would I'd find fifteen minutes. And I'd just be doing it. And I just like would never really advance. And I was like, this is a pure waste of time. I don't know anyone anymore who's playing this other than Andrew Guy, who like is a professional commentator for the game. So like. I wasn't trying to do it professionally or create content about it. It was just like a time waster. And so then I ben, saw this. And I was like, know, ben doesn't know how to have a hobby that he doesn't make into a job. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's just if I'm going to do something, if I'm going to do something, I know I could do something other than Clash Royale that has more value that I'm more engaged. In. I wasn't even engaged in anymore. Yeah. So yeah. Arena now being on my phone. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I haven't uninstalled it. It's there, but like, I just, I finally just stopped playing Clash Royale. Arena being on my phone, I've definitely jammed. So the one thing is like deck building sucks. And, but the cool thing is you can on your desktop deck build and then all, all your decks will exist. And deck building and draft isn't too bad because you have such a limited amount of cards. I've just been drafting. That's like the majority of what I'm doing. There's like a core set, all three core sets at once draft. It's surprising they didn't like have like jumpstart or like a weird draft format become reavailable during the moment that they like open this up on phones as a bigger deal because it's like i'm like clicking around i was like oh there's not that many i'm like sick of kaldheim draft already and there's not that many other formats to draft and like the weird corset trio is not what i would say is like oh man i definitely want to draft three different corsets that have no synergy with each other a lot but the ability just to like jam games in bed that's like the main thing is is i've played a lot of tft which is the the auto chess from riot games which is like league of legends characters but you like draft them and then you like fight against each other um recently because i can play it on my phone as i'm like going to bed or like as whitney's watching tv as we fall asleep being able to now play arena in that moment is like amazing yeah i mean i'm sure it's something i'll probably start doing more of especially 
especially like I, I want to I want to like get invest because like I was playing a ton of historic. That's like where I was playing. I haven't played much for the last month or two, but I'll probably play some games on my computer first would be my guess to kind of get re like situated with like what people are playing and try to build something new. I mean, I played a game with my blue black rogues deck that hasn't been updated in like two months and I definitely won. So that deck is probably still really good. It's like full of good cards. Yeah, my like I like am super stoked to start playing historic. The biggest problem with like this is this is my point. Like they almost should have waited two weeks to launch it with Strixhaven coming out. Cause like I don't want to invest in historic or standard right now because an entire new set launches in two weeks. And maybe the point of this is they wanted to launch it ahead of time so people will get involved, but it's not going to be so hype that the like thing is going to shut down day one. But I don't like the, the fact that all of the mystical archive cards, not all of them, but all of them but seven are going to be legal on Arena is going to so drastically change what Historic looks like. Strixhaven is obviously going to drastically change what Standard looks like. Then I'm just going to wait to play like to build constructed decks until all these cards are available because I don't want to spend a bunch of wild cards on a deck that like in three weeks changes. So where can I see the full list of the Mystical Archives? Like where, uh, so where, is, all of where them, is that? If you just go to, uh, I use Myth Explorer, but I think you can also use Scryfall. You can go to Myth and there's all there. I think like uh, also iPad, It's it hasn't, people are like, oh, it's really hard to see the cards or move stuff around. That hasn't really been an issue to me. I know that maybe that's an issue on Android or was, or maybe they fixed it. They've come up with some solutions. Like we're getting the beta tested on phone version because they've dealt with it on Android. But uh, it it it's it's a lot easier than I expected. Just kind of to the only problem I have is deck building. That's like the only thing that I'm like, this is a pain in the ass. And it's partially a pain in the ass because I don't know the names of cards as a person, especially yeah. like random limited commons. So I have to like click on each one and hold it. And if I accidentally click it, like removes it from your deck, which a, yeah, I, I would get better at over time. And B, when you get to construction, it's a lot easier. But once again, because the whole format is basically rotating in, in three weeks because of what they're announcing for historic, it's going to be pretty wild. God, there's so many sweet cards. So you're saying that all these mystical archive cards are going to be legal and historic other than seven. Yes. Do you have anything else you want to say about, about it being on arena before we move to the next subject matter? Um, just that better late than never, um, I think is, is my opinion of it. It's, I think that, you know, it's funny when you talk about evolution, not in human evolution, but you just like talk about the evolution of the way like things are done in the world. Like putting plus one plus one counters when a creature enters play that's has a higher power than the creature that's already in play. (laughs) Not, not evolving. My point in saying the thing about evolution is that I think in life when things are comfortable and there is like a sort of powers that be that control things Mm -hmm. like a, like a sort of a majority. It's hard to get things to change sometimes. So like magic is a game that should have and could have functioned similarly to many digital TCGs. And with magic online, they kind of did. They just never invested in the part of it that was going to put them on the same level as some of their direct competition who over the last five or six years have really taken off like a hearthstone or some other people like this. Like that was a clear template for what magic could have been. It could have been mobile a long time ago. But I think because magic had this foothold of being a paper game and it was so successful as a paper game and it was made them so much money as a paper game. They just were like, we're not going to invest all the resources in making this thing available in six months. Like they should have probably six years ago. They just didn't because like they were selling enough product and it was a very successful thing. And I think there was this idea of holding on to some of the identity and not just jumping on the bandwagon all these other games were doing. But because of COVID, because of the us being all forced to stay home and things changing so drastically, they had to adapt and they had to respond in a way that I think it's like you're seeing with a lot of like work from home situations. People didn't necessarily want to have to go into the office, but they couldn't make a strong enough case for why they shouldn't have to. 
But then COVID has shown it. It's forced us. We've evolved. When this, when this is over, I don't think people are going to go back to work in the same way they were before. And I think the digital magic and mobile arena is going to be a way more prominent piece of the magic landscape than it would have been. Who knows if this even would have happened on the same schedule that it happened now. But obviously, we've found ourselves in this situation, and, and that's where we are. So yeah, just, just an interesting thing to pay attention to. I really just think better late than never, because it looks great. It functions really well. It's exciting to be able to play magic on your phone. I, I'm happy about it. Yeah, uh, it, like the fact that I, you know, it's it's weird because this is the one moment where like I have had Magic Arena on my desktop. So like that, being able to have something on my iPod, it hasn't been a priority for the last year. But we're going to get back to the world where traveling is important. And that's going to be such a big deal being able to play Arena just like on my iPad in an airport or in Hong Kong or in New York or wherever we're at. Dallas is going to be sweet. Just like downtime between meetings at like a toy fair, just <laughs> drafting is going to be great. It's definitely a, a step in the right direction, as, as was it being on Mac, right? Like they keep making the right steps in that direction. There's like there's something about not playing magic with people that I like less for I sure. Like I, especially like. And, and, and Historic is better, but like I just I, I jammed a few games of Historic with the I have the Gideon Pact deck and then played those drafts. And like there is an emptier feeling. It's not as fun as like when you're playing against a person live. You, it's, it's just like a little bit more grindy, which I don't like, which is not something to say bad against it. It's just something that like as far as critiques go, it's never going to replace in-person magic. I'd much rather play a commander game with you on stream or like I, I got to uh, a buddy... I played sealed time spiral because he's vaccinated and I was vaccinated. I'm now vaccinated. So we got to play time spiral sealed against each other. And that was really cool because it's like in-person magic. Uh, he beat me. His pool was much better. But in-person magic, I think, is never just going to replace digital magic from an entertainment perspective. I even know that like online over the weekend, they did the world championships or whatever big tournament they did. And they had a... Like one game in middle of game one, the system shut down. So they had to restart the match from the beginning. So that that match was lost. There's like they still haven't figured out a way to like, oh, no, save a board state in arena, which for for pro level play, which is something they need to like fix. It's insane. Oh, my God. I would have been so if I was if I had the advantage of that point, I would have been so upset. So, yeah. So that's that's the thing that happened. <laughs> so they need to figure that out. Like magic being an esport is still being weighed in and, and COVID affected all of this negatively. So I'm not surprised uh, that there is some learning. There's definitely comments out there also on like Wizards cut a lot of its prize support last year. And then made more money than it's ever had. And we've talked about that in the past where like on the podcast, does that mean that they don't need to spend that money to make money? Or does that mean that they like screwed over a lot of people that like had qualified for tournaments that deserve a chance to win some of that money? So it's it's a weird dichotomy that we don't need to get into because I don't understand the way pro play works at the moment as well as I should to be able to talk upon the different intricacies of it. But Magic Arena on iPad, on iOS, it's available now on the go, and I plan on jamming a lot of games. I think it's really sweet. For those, uh, please uh, like and subscribe. As always, the like button is really important. It helps us succeed. Uh, we just need to get more views. Uh, make it so YouTube shows these videos to more people. So it helps if you guys can hit that like button. And this is our little breakdown on the Mystical Archives being added through Strixhaven to Arena and specifically to Historic. Now, Michael Grothy has strong op negative opinions in this world, partially because up to this point, he's been like, it's just legacy. Every card that's ever been printed is legal. But there are seven cards that are not legal that are added from this set. And they are Channel, Counterspell, Dark Ritual, Demonic Tutor, Lightning Bolt, Natural Order, and Swords the Plowshare. Now, 
the argument for why they're they're being added to arena to begin with is because every single pack has a mystical archive in it card so these are pretty significant includes for the limited format like if you don't include these seven cards limited in strixhaven just works differently in a way like not having channel available seems like a pretty big difference and all of these cards kind of have that power level effect so i understand one more time one more time you said channel lightning bolt demonic tutor swords to plowshares uh, Swords of Plashers, Natural Order, Lightning Bolt, Demonic Tutor, Dark Ritual, Counterspell, Channel. So yeah, so these are still being added to Arena. So if you play Gladiator, if you play Arena Brawl, which has a different ban list than regular uh, or Historic Brawl, you can play these. If you invent a new format, these are all legal. But in Historic, they are banned out the gate. And uh, But otherwise, there's a ton of new cards being added. Some of them are insanely powerful. The one card on here that seems silly to me is Lightning Bolt. Yeah, it's like, why? It feels like they're not adding it purely to have it be to have historic field differentiated from modern, but like fatal push and thoughtsies were added. So to me, it feels like if you're that's the one card and these cards could be unbanned, right? Like a year from now, people's like lightning bolts unbanned. Swords of Plowshares makes sense is the reason path wasn't in jumpstart. They removed path from the jumpstart product. Swords of Plowshares is no longer in it. That makes sense to me. And the other ones are all like Channer, Counterspell, Dark Ritual, Natural Order, Demonic Tutor, all cards that I, I like. Channels like insanely powerful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like channels. I I mean, I think I think most of those are very smart. I think, as you mentioned, lightning bolt's the one head scratcher that's just like, I mean, uh, well, I don't know. Maybe it maybe it supercharges in a way that they just don't want. I guess I understand that. I think I think they want three, four and specifically five drops that have three toughness to be playable and fatal push like can't hurt creatures that are five and bigger i think that's where they see the difference is that that's the only thing i can think of is that lightning bolt scales better to more powerful things just add lightning bolt lightning bolt's so cool i don't know that's where i'm at unban it that's the only card there uh that i see beyond that though there is an insane list of cards being added to the format uh including inquisition of kozlak uh is being added which is fascinating include but i think like the storm cards to me Faithless looting is being added to modern. Like I'm going to play Arclight Phoenix decks tomorrow. Yeah, I know. Like, That's crazy, right? Mana tithe. There's like I think where's the where's the other shot, one? Grape shot. Tainted pact. I think regrowth. Not that it's like on the power level of some of the other cards we're talking about, but I just think regrowth is a great card. Lightning helix getting added is a big deal. Tendrils of agony is the other one that I was like, what? Oh, and brainstorm. Brainstorm's being added. You can play brainstorm historic. Crazy chaos. Chaos warp is getting added. I think, yeah, to me, to me, like brainstorm memory lapse being in it as a counterspell is also a big deal. Yeah, there's Mind's Desire is another card that's being added. As far as storm cards, you have Tendrils, Grapeshot and Mind's Desire available in this format. I like released it. Dude, Defurious Protection. That card's so good. Yep. <laughs> that yep. card's insanely good. This is my point like earlier, like when we were talking about uh, Magic Arena, I don't want to buy a deck. I, like I could play whatever deck I build is going to be so drastically altered by like three of these cards being added if strixhaven wasn't added to magic and only three of these cards were added almost any three of them any five of them 
I will say, could like alter alter historic from face value. I'm super excited. It, it feels like they wanted. It's weird that they wanted Storm on Arena. Like that's the decision they made. They were like, you know, we just let's just put Storm. Like the fact that Storm is legal. The, the someone wrote, wrote a really good joke. Like it's not the Storm scale anymore. It's the Bolt scale. The the Storm scale is the is it's the keyword mechanics, right? It's the level of power. Storm is the most powerful. It, is the not, idea? It's not power level. It's likelihood to be reprinted into standard. Got it. Right. It's Mark Rosewater's list of cards that are likely to be reprinted in the standard. And Storm is classically the top of that scale. And the only, I think the only cards that are above Storm are like like anti and banding or like weird stuff that just doesn't work anymore. But in historic, Storm is being added before Lightning Bolt. <laughs> yeah, it's like Storm, Dredge, Delve, like mechanics like that. I think the Mystical Archive is completely insane. I think it's crazy how many cards are getting added all at once. But... I also think that more than likely, I mean, this is this is what this says to me. What this says to me is that they remember a time when modern was introduced and people were excited and people started to invest time into playing modern and it became super popular. And then they look at the post, the the sort of post hiatus that we've all been on here and they think about the way it's going to look and that probably people will return to playing paper modern. But what if the format has slowed down? What if it's slowed down because people find it less interesting for whatever reason? Well, I think what this signals to me is that they're interested in historic having a, an actual chance at feeling like modern. Because you introduce this many cards to historic, it's going to feel like modern. The, mm-hmm. the, like There's already enough powerful cards in historic as it is. You introduce this level of power to historic, I think that historic is going to start to feel like modern pretty fast. One one thing I think that is cool about this is is the split between cards in the mystical archive. Like there's like staples of every format, but one of the things they definitely did were staples of standards of the future. And by that, like like Michael, when they first revealed the opt, talked about this on the podcast where it's like. If I get four ops, this is my ops forever. Every standard deck I ever have, I'm going to use these ops. If I get these lightning bolts, I'm going to use these lightning bolts. If I get these village rights, right? Like if I have this village right, I'm going to have four of them. And anytime I need village rights and standard moving forward, I'm going to use this sweet copy of it. There's like a lot of like very obvious cards. Shock is another good example. Duress. These are cards that they're just going to reprint negate. forever. Yeah, negate. Like, the, like eliminate is going to be in standard again. And it's kind Are of, you at all surprised that Stone Rain is going to be in <laughs> Stone Rain is well, going to be in historic? Some of it, like Stone Rain and Regrowth, do feel like more back in my day. Remember, like that's Urza's Rage, right? That was, I think, my biggest complaint of all of them is Urza's, Urza's Rage. Like, I don't know why that card keeps getting reprinted. I saw you. I saw you tweeting about this the other day. It's like it has. It, it was the mythic face on a dual deck, and this, and in my, one of the the like master sets. I don't, why is that, why do people, I guess, I guess like it was very good in standard in 2001 and people look fondly on it enough to get reprinted a bunch. It might be because it's one of the few cards that was that iconic that have the name Urza on them Mm. is the one thing I can think of where it's like, that makes sense. You can't, there's no other like, but like Urza, like a lot of old Urza's cards are bad. They're the lands, which are hard to reprint because there's three of them and they're too good often if you reprint them into a format. Urza's Rage is like just generically boring enough that it's but good enough that you can keep reprinting it, I guess. Meh. Meh. The artwork's also <laughs> amazing. It like the my biggest I think my biggest complaint about this whole situation is that between these and the Japanese versions, which are all some of the most gorgeous cards probably printed in magic history, I don't have enough money for these cards to exist. 
And I'm so, yeah. I, I want all of I want four of all of them, and I can't. I don't want to pay. I don't have the money for that. <laughs> so is the deal that the Japanese printings are if you buy the Japanese language packs, this is what you get in those packs, and if you buy the American ones, this is what you get. What if you buy French? What if you buy Italian? What if you buy you get the Spanish? You get, you get the you get the regular ones. It's only the Japanese ones Correct. that are going to have these. So, so those are going to sell out crazy fast. Right? Japanese boxes will sell out really fast. Uh, obviously, if you go to Japan, you can just get a box. The one thing is, so this is actually something I like was wondering, because for the last three years, the spring set has a special Japanese type of promo situation. Last year with Ikori, it was the Godzilla cards, which were in English, other than a few that were Japanese exclusive, like Mechagodzilla, but they were also... Like Godzilla is ostensibly attached to Japan. And then uh, the year before that was the the anime Planeswalkers, right? So with like famous anime artists and manga manga cut artists doing Planeswalkers. Each Planeswalker got a promo. And and like, I was like, why is the spring set that? And it ends up that the school year in Japan starts in April. So similar to how in the US, September, which is when our school year starts, uh, the... That's the normally and forever has been the big focus set, right? Like that's when we would start a new block. That's like the beginning of the year. That's when Wizards put its big next push. It would do the core set just before that as like a preemptiveness for that happening. That's when rotation would happen in Japan. The new school year starts and and Japan is, is I think the second largest by density group of magic players uh, in the world. So it makes sense. It also like for shows I'm watching, uh, I was like, why they like new new years start at weird times. And I was like, it's spring. Why? And now I understand uh, in Japan, the new school year school ends in March. They don't have like a summer vacation. School ends in March and the next school year starts in April. So yeah, that's what, that's why these promos are happening. But yes, yeah, so similar to the war of the sparks ones, every Japanese pack will have one of these promos in it. It will be the, the alternate style. I believe in collector boosters from Strixhaven, you do get one Japanese version of a card also included in every single one. And then X amount of packs in English also get one. So you they will be available here as well uh, in regular packs. But if you want to guarantee them, just find a box of Japanese Strixhaven uh, to get a bunch of them at once, which is a thing I will probably attempt. Uh, or just buy all the singles I want. I just don't. I, I have decision fatigue. I don't know which ones of these I want. I just want all of them. It's crazy that there are so many cool versions of so many iconic cards now that like if you're trying to get a cool non like traditional version of a sweet card, there's just like a million things to oh, choose. I'm glad I didn't pre-order much of the old border stuff because you got you opened like all of it. No, because I'm going to spend that money on these. These are way cooler. (laughs) (laughs) I'm also excited for them to be added to historic. Uh, As I said, I think like I just want to play Faithless Looting. Give me a format. I can play Faithless Looting. I'll play it. The fact that I no longer can play it in modern makes me sad. The fact that I now can play it in in historic is dope. We literally last week went on a whole conversation about how our preview card like really leaned into a cool Mardo Pyromancer with Magecraft. There's a, a bunch of other cool Magecraft cards. I think you could do Mardo Pyromancer in Historic. You don't have Pyromancer. Yeah, I mean, you but... have. No, you do. You have Young Pyromancer. Oh, yeah, you do. You do now, right? They added it. From one of the anthologies. I think the second anthology yeah, 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 had yeah, yeah, Pyromancer. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you could just make Mardo Pyromancer. I think it has every card. Because it, it has... Does it have... Bedlam Revelers is not even a key part. You got Thoughtseize. You, you have Inquisition. You don't have Lingering Souls. Is the one piece you're missing. True, right? You need to add yeah, Lingering Souls. Wizards add Lingering Souls to Historic. 
I'm going to tweet that right now. And then someone's going to be like, it's there. And we're going to be like, Marshall, edit this out of the podcast. <laughs> while, uh, while Alex is doing this, because I think we're going to wrap up this. I think we're going to wrap up this section and get into the next section of the show. But before we do, as he is tweeting that, I want to do just a quick reminder to everybody here. I've been talking about this the last few weeks, but uh, by the time you hear this, I will have released my first song for my album. It's coming out this summer. I'll be on tour in August, so hopefully I can meet some of you guys. If any of you want to come out and hang out, I'll be putting the full album out in June, and the first song is available on Spotify, on Apple Music, on Amazon, all the various places you can get it. So you can follow me on Twitter and see. I'm sure I'll be posting about it, or you can just look it up on Spotify. And and now now the last the last conversation for uh, today is we're not going to do card by card because we'll do that later. It's more I want to talk about red white and Lorehold because of course I do. I of course you do. Yeah. Well, <laughs> this is fascinating, right? Because I wouldn't have thought myself a red white player a, six months ago. I love red. I love white. I mean, Jeskai classically is probably one of the color combos I love the most. And part of it I think is just because like every representation of red white we've gotten in Magic up to this point has been lame. And by lame I mean like. They're soldiers. They like attacking. We're just warriors that do attacking. We're the Spartans on Theros, or we're the Boros. So we're like cops, but also soldiers. Even like on in in cons, which probably has some of the cooler red white versions. Like they were the attacky parts of Jeskai and uh, Mardu, so they weren't even like exciting there. So yes, uh, the fact that Lorehold is is looking at red white and is exploring a different part of what they could be together than. I am a soldier and I'm going to attack you is like, thank God. Finally love it. Uh, you're all the best. I do think it like Gavin retweeted a post from two years ago where he was like, we've heard recently that you guys are unhappy with red, white play style, especially like in, in formats like commander, what could be done differently or what type of effects would you like to see? And recently today or yesterday, he said, or a week ago for all of you people listening to this, he basically was like threads like this or what affect this. And the fact that they're like, like the legendary creatures that were spoiled yesterday, there's one that's like gives everything undying and makes things spirits. There's the one that like makes artifact tokens out of things in your graveyard. There's the reanimator one. There's Plark, who is a looting red white commander. The fact that the backside has something to do with untapping and tapping creatures you control is gravy. But the fact that there's a looting red white one means that my Nahiri Planeswalker uh, rule zero breaking commander deck can now just be a Plark deck. I can just play reanimator red white in commander and that's dope. And that card's fire outside of that because two mana looting that like has good end on the backside like that has modern considerations but long story short this sets fire (laughs) i'm so excited it's really cool design and i think that when they both i think both the design of the abilities themselves but then also when they kind of discuss internally like because the thing you said last week on the show that really stood out to me alex was that like if you just don't have an affection for soldiers or the military if that's just not something that you really connect to it makes a lot of the Boros stuff that we've seen over the years just really unappealing. And there is this aspect of flavor in Magic. It's not, it's not the part of the game I focus on the most, but there is the idea that when you're investing time or energy as a newer player or even just a player who's trying to expand, like I understand so much more now why flavor and feel matters so much to Magic players because so many players play Commander and so much of the idea behind Commander is the flavor and the feel to your deck. The cards that you include, the Commander you use, the cards that you use to supplement the Commander, the way you want the deck to feel as you're playing it 
if you're not a story person, if you're not a flavor person, it doesn't really, it's almost impossible to ignore, I guess, is the point. You get mm-hmm. so familiar with these legendary creatures. You get so familiar with that stuff that I really do think that when they explore this stuff and they figure out that Lorehold is going to be red, white, and it's going to be like elephants that explore and are Indiana Jonesy, like that is cool in a way that like stand up and salute isn't cool to everybody. It is cool to some people, sure. but that's what it's been for a long time. And it's also it's also play variety, right? Like if you're into red, white color combos and you like lightning bolt because like red, white can be control colors. There's a reason Jeskai is one of the classic control color combos is because red and white have two of the best removal suites in the game. And like like attacking with creatures and, and like the play pattern of being aggressive doesn't necessarily lean itself towards that. And so this gives, you know, it, it really shows that you can be a prison deck. You can be there's like so many different things you can do with the color combo that other colors, especially the allied colors, have had so many opportunities to explore different ways. Like if you don't like the Azorius, you could pick a bunch of different other factions. You can pick the Ojatai, which or you can pick. Uh, whatever the blue white faction was back when Stronghold was around, you can pick Bant and or Esper. You can pick like there's a bunch of different options, and even in those like red white Naya, like Naya is attack is about attacking, <laughs> right? <laughs> so like, it's cool that that like you're getting this opportunity to just like play in a cool new space, and and that's what I've kind of liked about all of these groups is they're all. So far, it looks like they're all going to attempt to do something different than what we've seen. Now, now blue green is maybe Quantix or whatever is looking to be most similar to Simic in the sense that they're both like science focused. Now, this one seems and we haven't. So at this point, uh, we record these on Tuesday nights. Uh, we've gone through all of the lore hold day like they're like theming each day on card releases. We've done most of the lore hold cards and a lot of the prismari cards have been previewed and so we kind of know what they're about but now i believe every elder dragon has been printed previewed we have not seen the green black elder dragon yet okay so we've seen silver quill which has like a politics theme we've seen quandrix tanazir quandrix which has the like when it enters the battlefield double like it's about counting it doubles the plus one plus one counters on a creature and then it makes all base power four or it makes base power equal to tanazir's power math is involved <laughs> we've seen that what well, we've seen that we've seen the prismari one right that creates a treasure and then your artifacts all get you can tap to create mana to cast spells is that the deal correct is that how it works yep 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 so, so you get a treasure that you can use and then the the lore hold one is a five five for seven vigilance haste whenever it attacks look at the top seven cards of your library you may cast instant or sorcery spells with mana value less than or equal to its power i think their casting cost yeah 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 so so you can like Powerful. Yeah, so it, it's a seven drop. It's very expensive, but people are already talking about cool things you can do with it as a reanimator target or just like once it's in play as a control finisher, it's very powerful. Yeah, there's just insane. Like we're going to like I, I, my brain hasn't even been able to wrap around like we'll, we'll do our modern review and we'll do our like top 10 cards thing that we've been doing. But there's just so many cool cards and like just different design spaces they've been playing it. The fact that the Prismari about like are building these big spells that do different stuff. And that even black green has like a, a like incremental life changes seems to be the theme so far. Once again, we're in the world of recording things a week ahead of time in the middle of literally every hour a new preview card comes out. So we'll find out more and you may even know more than we do. Right. You definitely know more than we do right <laughs> now. What what's going on? But yeah, I think I just like it's cool that they're playing in new spaces and they're taking this opportunity to say, hey, we have the guilds for people that are in the guilds that relate to them. Great. But there is definitely personality types that don't fit in Ravnica 
or there's red white fans that don't fit in Boros or there's black green fans that don't fit into the graveyard themes of the Golgari. Here's a different option. You don't want to be like a weird banker in, in black white. You want to be like Stalin, though. Here's a different option. You're not <laughs> in the science. Here's artwork, right? There, so I think it's cool to see just different different versions of stuff. Do you feel like going into another multicolor set like this that the design space for magic is still sort of endless? Like, is there do you do you look at it and just go like, I feel like we have scratched 10% of the surface of what's going to be able to be done with this game because the understanding, the loyalty by the the player base is so strong because this is like the ninth or 10th, like multicolor heavy set now, right? Like they've done it. Oh, set ever. Yeah. So there's three Ravnica's blocks, shards block, con block, block, invasion block, legends there's like yeah there's cons you mentioned there's like um what's it called uh, uh ikoria is like pretty multicolor heavy ikoria it's all like- Ico- ikoria ikoria and and the pirate world are less that i think there are multicolored things there but it's not as much of a theme ikoria a little bit because I mean, there's like- 10 multicolor companions and there was like the cycle of dragons and but that's it. not dragons. Right. There's like 10 companions. There's five mythic legendaries. And then there's like an uncommon cycle, like the normal uncommon cycle that most sets have. Okay. Got it. So it's not like a full set. I guess that's like, fair. Cause like every set now it was actually, this is something that's interesting and I recommend it. Mark Rosewater released, uh, he does his, uh, nuts and bolts article once a year, which like goes over a different way of designing stuff. And he re- did a new version of the skeleton, uh, breakdown which the skeleton is their design document that they like have filled out and it like it's fascinating how almost already planned a set is from like basic effects especially like the limited stuff where it's like you have a, a common that draws you a card you uh, in blue you have exactly these five uncommons you have exactly these 10 commons these commons need to have this you have to have one with vigilance one with tramp like they have it all laid out And one thing they have is every single set starts with a cycle of 10 uncommon gold cards, no matter what. And they're meant to be signifiers on what the limited environment is supposed to like. If you are to draft this card, you will are supposed to do this when you're playing limited. And sometimes they get rid of them. For instance, I would be surprised if in this set they have that. Uh, You're supposed to draft the the different colleges. You're not supposed to draft the allied color combo. So there's not going to be like a blue white uncommon when this set comes limited. There's going to be 10 archetypes to draft, but those archetypes are going to be the five colleges and then the five combos of colleges. You'll have all the enemy wedges, right? You'll have Mardu, you'll have because you'll start pack one drafting one and then you'll see what pack two gives you. And often it'll be not the color that you were maybe in and a different color that's available. So like you'll either end up in I'm I'm Lorehold. Or you'll be like, oh, I'm Lorehold and Silver Quill. I'll get all those cards because there's enough fixing for it. Or I'll do, I'm Quantrix, but I'm Quantrix and Sil- so I'm going to need to get these names right. Prismari. Yeah, Prismari, Silver Quill. You got the uh, Bloom, Shadow, Blue, Witherbloom? Witherbloom, does that sound right? Yeah, it's Prismari, Quantrix, Lorehold, uh, Witherbloom, and Silver Quill. Just to go back to the question that I asked you initially, um, it sounds like there's less of these sets than I thought, but even so... Do you still just see the design of magic as kind of just being somewhat endless? Do you just still feel like there's so much complexity to the game, so much ability to customize it that you could see 20 more years of just like no hiccups? Well, that I think that's the thing that they're doing differently now, right? They've found design space. They're they're breaking the rules to create 
more design space. I, I think they're, they've been good at limiting stuff. And obviously, as we're seeing with red, white or white in general as a color combo, where they're going to expand upon what's viable. Red, white has been so pigeonholed for so long that they've realized, oh, artifacts matter. And red, white makes a ton of sense. Graveyard reanimator because of the discard element of red and rebuying spells in red. And then white has the ability to reanimate is the second best after black at it. That's a whole area to play in the ability to protect things that are different. You have, you know, yeah, I think I think there's just like more spaces that these cards can obviously play in that wizards and then that's probably true of all of them there's even probably stuff that like even wither bloom and golgari if we go to another plane where black green is a focus you can focus on death touch or minus minus one minus one i mean like black green in on scars of mirrodin was about infect right like there's there's different features to magic that you can focus on and explore but like then you have stuff like learn, right? Like they're like in companion. A companion is another one, right? Where they're they've like decided that the sideboard is an important resource that they weren't using enough. And it's gonna be at continuously at odds with Commander. It's one of the more fascinating issues you're facing. And is probably the biggest thing between Commander and Arena, right? Do you know this issue? No. So in Commander, you don't have a wish board. You can't... Wish cards aren't legal. There's no such thing as a sideboard oh, or a wish board. Sure. And Wizards is designing cards now for best of one. And in a lot of ways, this is good for Commanders. You're getting a lot of cards that are situationally better, but then have backup plans of being generically good, like a Braid or Split cards from Ravnica that are built for being able to be versatile. But on the other hand, it also means that they're starting to use the wishboard. It's why Karn used it. Vivian used it. You had the black these new, yeah, tutor. These new, these new lesson, these new lesson cards. And right? now, these are, these are... yeah, now lessons and learn where if you cast a learn spell, you can get, you can either loot, you can discard a card or draw a card, um, which some of these cards will be amazing. That's a whole other issue. Or you can get a lesson card from your sideboard. And that's the thing that just doesn't work in command commander, but in best of one, it uses a resource that you have for your deck. And it also is just the thing that works in constructed. So it's definitely a line. It's a resource that wizards feels like they plan on actively using more often moving forward. That's going to continuously be at odds with the commander community. And it's going to be interesting where that ends up. Do you think it's a good thing? Like, why do you think they're leaning into it more? I, I think if commander wasn't in contention, yes, I think it's a good thing. I, th I think like, it's a cool way to use a sideboard. Wish cards are dope. They're using them in more interesting ways, like the lesson learned thing where it's a specific list of cards you can get there. Companion was really cool, if though broken. Even Karin is cool outside of the fact that it comboed with Mycosynth Lattice. It just continues to allow for new interesting design space and allows for less shuffling. I think the one of the reasons they love it is Wizards already disliked Tutors from a loading screen perspective. And these are effects that let you not have to have a loading screen. It's like one of the reasons I'm surprised we haven't gotten land tokens, which we have, right? That's what treasures basically are <laughs> in many ways. So I think it's just a, a, a different place to design from. They're obviously putting cool stuff into it. I think that the issue is that, is there eventually enough times where Wizards heavily leans into the wish board mechanical space as a key part of magic design? where Commander needs to change to allow it in some way. Well, I mean, think about the number of Commander cards that get designed in a Commander set that reference, like, multiple players, like, you know, those the dual lands that only come into play untapped. If you have two or more opponents, like, the number of cards that are designed to accommodate Commander players and the Commander sphere 
that are irrelevant in in 1v1 play that have that are bad cards and uh, you think about the cards that were designed for battle bond you know like some of these like as you draft it types of cards like they, they're allowed to design cards that reference a specific space that other formats don't really include sure. and sometimes there's crossover some of those great commander cards are awesome for 1v1 they're really fun cards i like council's judgment is a card that was designed with a specific purpose and has ended up being a really fun card to be able to play in 1v1 with a really unique effect because it doesn't target and, and on I the think, other hand, stuff like True Name Nemesis that was designed to be fair in multiplayer is like toxic towards 1v1. Yeah, that's fair. So I just think that I think 1% of the time it's okay when everything doesn't play well together. I think that they can't continue to design different play experiences for different players if they're not willing to at least throw the baby out of the bathwater 1% of the time. Absolutely. I think I agree with that in general. And I, I, I think that's just like the actual answer. Right? I think you're just actively correct. It's just with Learn and Companion, it shows that Wizards... And every other set is now using Wishbards to some extent. It shows that Wizards is going to keep hitting that vein. I think that vein is very deep. And the question to me is not necessarily should Wizards do that? Because I think Wizards should do it. Uh, the question to me is more should Commander just allow it, right? Because it's a rule in Commander that you don't have a Wishboard. Can you just have a Wishboard? Is that just a thing you should be able to have? I mean, and then it references cards that are only you know wishable if you're using wish cards like what is it then it's like a side it's just an extra set of cards that you have that can be like you have a 10, 100 you have a 10, 10 card wish board you're allowed to have one like yes it's a weird s- s- issue like it, it's clunky and this is why it's not legal right it's not legal because it's clunky but on the other hand if i had to choose from a time-saving perspective in CDH, where like I care about people shuffling and being done shuffling before I move my take my next action versus regular commander where I just ignore it. Demonic Tutor is worse than a wish from a play experience. I think that what I would do if I was designing this rule, it would be you have a wish board of up to nine cards. And the reason being, I think that a 90 card deck functionally is not so different from a hundred card deck. It's especially in a multiplayer game where like I mean, yeah, you can make your deck smaller and have a... I don't think you take your deck down for a wishboard. I think you have a 99-card deck commander plus a whatever number wishboard. And maybe it's five. Maybe it's, like, way less. No, I, would, I mean, I, I would be okay if you wanted to have... or So maybe it's four. Maybe it's not nine. Maybe it's four. So maybe that means that... I just don't think that going beyond 100 cards is something that is, like, a necessary thing to do at all in Magic. It's already so many cards in a deck. It's already such a thick stack. I just don't think that well, going up to 105... Not in your deck, right? It's your sideboard. It's a separate pile of cards. You're not shuffling it in. No, I mean, I understand that. You're I'm just, like I'm just saying that box. I, I think adding a... Yeah, adding a wish board so that you now have 105 or 110 cards doesn't feel necessary. I think it would be that if you want to play with... You can play up to four. So that way you have your, your 100th card as your commander up to four you're still playing a 95 card deck as opposed to a 99 card deck which is like negligible and like almost makes no difference so you would that to me you would lower your deck size to to make room for the for the wish board i'm not i don't think i've actually heard anyone propose that idea i wonder how to sink what if you played one wish what if the whole idea is that in your deck karn can get you one you have karn in your deck it's a good card and karn can get you a wish card so you're now you're now your 98th, your 99th card instead of your 100th card isn't in your deck because you already start with 99 cards. Your commander's already off to the side. Doesn't really make that much like, of a difference. I like that less. I think you want multiple options there other than what's I'm, the I'm point. Saying, well, you, I'm, I'm saying you could have up to four. Oh, so if you oh, wanted oh. to just do one, you could have one. But if you want to have four, you could well, have then, four. 
I don't care if you're playing 95 cards or 99 cards. It doesn't really make a difference to me. Then shouldn't, from a strategic perspective, shouldn't every single deck just be a 95 card deck? Even if you're not playing a wish card, shouldn't you just put four cards in your wish board? Just heighten your odds of drawing good cards? No, because you have, if I have wish cards in my sideboard and I have four of them and you have none, I get the advantage of having certain cards in my deck that can reference my wish board, which probably everybody would do because it would be an inherent advantage. But if not, I don't feel like doing that. I have access to more awesome cards in my deck that in theory can be tutored with all my tutors I'm playing. Well, but like if in limited or in standard or in modern, in modern, if you could play with a 56 card deck versus a 60 card deck, would you choose to do so? Well, certainly, but that's also 1v1 with multiple copies of cards. So the math is totally different. I think that if you're talking about the difference between 56 and 60, first of all, from a likelihood of drawing a card perspective, when you have mul- when you have up to four copies in a 56 versus one copy in a 95, the likelihood of drawing the same card twice is so low when you're talking 95, 96 out of 100 compared to okay, but then 21 limited, unique in limited, in limited, how often do you play 42 cards? In your lifetime, how many times have you played 42 cards? Outside of conspiracy or mill-heavy formats, I guess, which you're just mill contingency outside of like weird yeah no i, I yeah, get you yeah. but i why, why are we talking but well, why does limited have anything to do with well because i mean it's, you would... it's one card right it, it, like your the the power level of your cards is is varied you're it's not multiple cards in the format my point is not every player is like this and commander is a casual format so people aren't going to be trying to min max at every level and in fact the format is being distinguished as the format to not min max in Right. Mind you, on the other hand, the CDH community exists, and that is all about min-maxing. And I think every single CDH player would choose to have five cards on their sideboard no matter what, even if they don't have a single wish board. They might play with wish cards, but I think they would choose to put five cards on their wish board to have a 95-card deck every single time. I think you're probably right, and I would be okay with that. Makes yeah, no difference okay. to me. All right. I, I mean, if that's right, like, do you say that now? We said we said that for a long time with Companions. And until they changed the rules, it was kind of that way. It sure. was like people did just start playing with a companion in every single deck. You were at a disadvantage if you weren't. Not um, in, I think not probably commander, that's though. what. Yeah, when they changed the rule, it got a little different. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting idea. Yeah, I think I think there's a level of how do you do wishboards. I think what Wizards did with Learn is actually the perfect solution. They gave use case options that didn't involve wishing, and technically they've done that for a lot of the other cards. Karn always has his other abilities. In fact, I've played Karn in Commander, not having a wish board. The black demonic tutor that wished did that. Fairy, Fey of Wishes, you could just play it as a fairy. You didn't have to go there. Karn, I think, also got stuff out of Exile. And Learn lets you rummage, right? You discard a card to draw a card, which is an, like a very powerful effect and sometimes going to be better than tutoring. So I think that there being a fail case option is probably just going to be the answer. And even the companions, right? All, everyone but Lutri, you could just play as a companion commander. You don't have to play with them in the command zone. I, I think I think the other thing with wishboards, and this is something that I said on Twitter, is, you know what's fun about wishboards? They're the best rule zero conversation you can have. Because I can walk up because. To, to a table and say, hi, I am playing this deck. I have a lot of learn cards. I have a learn wishboard. Is it okay if I play with wish, my wishboard? And if the your opponent, or I'm playing... Burning Wish and or Karn and or the Eldrazi that gets all of the Eldrazi out of your wish board, which is yeah, probably yeah, the yeah, scariest yeah. version of a wish card. And your Bonsire of Ulamog, is that the card yeah, you're referring exactly. to? Exactly. And your opponent can be like, no, uh, I don't want you to do a wish card board. And you can be like, well, <laughs> luckily, I have uh, all of these wish cards and then a sideboard of cards that I can switch in and out that were going to be the cards I was going to wish for. <laughs> right. Like it's it's not like 
the Nahiri problem where I would sit at a table with my Nahiri deck where a Planeswalker is the commander. Like, hey, I would like to play with this deck where the Planeswalker is a commander. And if they're like, no, that's not the rules, which has happened to me, which is fine. And it is their right to say, now my deck works worse, right? My deck no longer works. It's built over the fact that I have a looting ability as my commander. That's true with Chandra Tribal as well, right? It's just not going to be as good as having Chandra in the command zone. Tamiyo, I switch in for Tatiova and it's worse for my opponent. You should have let me have Tamiyo. That, that is the least, least powerful option <laughs> of the commanders that deck could run. But with, with Whipboard, you just side in those wishes into your deck and take your wish cards out. Put Microsynthalatus in and take Karn out, or put whatever other artifact you might have and put take Karn out. So yeah, that's that's a that's a that's an inch, that's a fair point. It's that's a sideboard. It's already a sideboard for you. Sideboard those wishes out. <laughs> and I think that's always kind of the point. Use your use your communication ability. But yeah, I'm super stoked on the design of this set. I like all the abilities. Magecraft is terrifying. Yeah, it seems like a, it seems like an ability that's going to have a, a positive impact. I think that that's what we talked about before. Like. That's an effect that players like to do, right? To count and keep track of, um, to have those triggers. It's a fun way to, it's it's like, an, it's a fun thing for newer players to experience. It also kind of creates the possibilities are endless sort of mentality when you're building because you're like, okay, how many effects of these can I get that scales across so many different things? That's like a really fun way to play magic. So I'm, I'm pretty stoked on Magecraft. I think it's going to be awesome. I think the scariest one is Stormkiln Artist that I've seen so far. It's three in a red a dwarf shaman uh storm kill artist gets plus one plus zero for each artifact you control and then when and then magecraft make a treasure token yeah i mean making a treasure token on magecraft is like pretty damn good right well yeah especially because a he gets bigger right like worst case scenario you're just like if you storm off but can't kill your opponent you have a like seven zero that seven two that ramped you a bunch or a twelve two but then also every one of those tre- like he's a ritual on a card <laughs> Right, right, right. Like that, that specifically one. And then there's like, there's a few that are just like do damage to your opponent that'll kill them. And then our preview card itself is like a lord to all creatures. I think there's a lot of cool stuff. I'm excited. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what I got to say today before we get into the world of, of previews. Anything yeah, else? Next week, we should be back, presumably with our top 10. I think probably because no, no, the think whole we're two weeks. Two weeks away. Okay. Cause the whole set won't be spoiled yet. I think, I think, uh, end of next week, it's spoiled. It'll be it'll be fully previewed. Uh, I am your host, Alex. Guess this is my co-host, Ben Bateman. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, make sure every Monday night we do a commander stream. I don't know who our guest is this week, but next week we'll be playing with brand new commanders from this set. Each of us brewing a new deck. And then I think the week after that, we have Sheldon, Menery, and Tarmocat both joining us. So that'll be a fire one as well. Uh, we have a lot of cool guests lined up moving forward. And if you miss it on the stream, they are on YouTube at all times. So you can just go check the old games out, new games. We have we have some awesome games out there as well. Uh, make sure to check out Ben's uh, music. Yes, the first song is live right now. If you guys are hearing this after the 5th of April, it's on Spotify, it's on Apple Music, it's on Amazon, all the various places you can get music. Um, check it out. I have it also as a lyric video on my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash nerds and suits. But I have been working tirelessly for the last year on this project. Album's going to come out this summer. I'll be touring New York, Chicago, Atlanta, Austin, Nashville, Seattle, San Francisco in August. And I'll be going out and booking my own shows. So um, give it give it a chance. Give it a listen, guys. It would mean the world to me. And I am playing a digital show where I'll be playing the whole album plus some covers on the 10th of April uh, on stage. It. So I'll put the link to that stuff in the description of this video. But I do appreciate you taking the time to listen. And uh, otherwise, we'll be back next week with more Magic the Gathering content. Absolutely. Also, we have a new movie show that's coming out every week. Check it out, too. Thanks, everyone. We'll talk to you next week. Bye, guys. This has been a production of Time Traveler Media. Sending podcasts into the future.